I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. This morning we finish our series on worry-free living. And we've been basing it off of this passage, so we're going to revisit it uh, one last time here this morning. Matthew, the sixth chapter, and we're going to read verses 25 through 34. I would encourage you to keep your Bibles open to this passage or put a bookmark here. We will be coming back. It is my text. And as I read it, I will remind you that this is the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Now, Lord, as we read this passage, we, we're kind of reminded how separate we are in time and, and, and place from the original audience. Lord, I doubt that there's too many of us here that are worried we won't have anything to eat tomorrow. I don't think there's too many of us here that are worried about um, having something clean to drink. I don't think there are too many of us here who are, are worried about not having clothes to, to put on tomorrow. Our worries are different, but yet they're not. We may worry about different things. We may worry about the state of the economy. We might worry about uh, the war in uh, Ukraine. We might worry about a doctor's appointment we have a couple days from now. We might worry about a, a bill that we've been putting off, hoping that we can scrape up enough to pay it. We, our worries may be different, but, but they're the same in the fact that they boil down to faith. 
Jesus said, you have little faith. So, Lord, we want to have faith. Faith in what? How can, how can faith pay a bill or help us overcome a bad doctor's report or um, a wayward child? So, Lord, I pray this morning you'd open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to your word. May the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Gospel of Matthew illuminate us, teach us from the word, from the very words of Christ, I pray. Amen. In week one, we saw that you don't have to worry about your past. Your past sins have been taken care of in Christ's death and resurrection. So you don't need to worry about your past. Last week, we saw you don't need to worry about your future. Christ's death and resurrection have secured a certain and eternal home for our eternity. So you don't need to worry about your future. This morning, we're going to look at you don't need to worry about your present. You don't need to worry about your present. These truths that we looked at the last two weeks should intersect your daily life in the present. Are you trusting God to forgive your past sins? Yes, I hope yes. Are you trusting God with your eternal soul? Again, I hope yes. Then why can't you trust God for today? Then why can't you trust God for tomorrow? I mean, when you think about it, it's a minor thing comparatively. That God can forgive all my past sins, all my past mistakes. And that a million years from now, I will be in his presence. Today, as they used to say, small potatoes. If I'm trusting God to take care of all the past and all the future, why can't I trust God today? Now, Jesus says here on three occasions in our text, verse 25, do not be worried. Verse 31, do not worry. Verse 34, do not worry. And we cry out, why shouldn't I worry? <laughs> why shouldn't I worry? Jesus should I, should I, why should I not worry? And God's response is, because I said so. How do I believe my past is covered at the cross? Because God said so. How do I believe that my future is secure in heaven? Because God said so. How do I know I don't have to worry today? Because God said so. Now, we like, you know, I, 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 I approached this Sunday with some fear and trepidation because we like pat answers. We like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big one, two, three point kind of guy, as you well know, right? We like the three steps to this or the four ways to this. And I'm afraid maybe some of you came today thinking, well, good, Pastor Gay is going to give me five ways to never worry. I ain't. But I do believe that God has given us something. 
I don't believe you have to worry because you have God's word on it. You have God's word on it. Now, I mean word in two ways. It's a little play on words. God's word as in the Bible, which we're going to look at. But God's word as in his oath. If I give someone my word on it, then, then I'm as trustworthy. I mean, then you can bank on that as trustworthy as I am. Okay, you may, set, you may accept it or not. But if God gives you his word on it, how more trustworthy can you get? But I also mean God's word. So why, why, why verse 25, why should I not worry about my life? Uh, verse 31, why should I not worry about my needs? Verse 33, 34, why should I not worry about tomorrow? Because you have God's word on it. Now, keep some kind of marker here, but go back to, uh, uh, go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, some of my verses will be on the screen, but some of them I want you to, to actually look at uh, in your Bible or on your device. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Seeing that his divine promise, that's, of course, um, God. Seeing his divine promise has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You could maybe break that down into physical and spiritual. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to our physical life, and our spiritual life through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. What has he granted to us that allows us to, to, to live in spite of what we see around us. Precious and magnificent promises. He has given us his word. He has given us his word. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at some of God's promises, and there are many, many more. But some of God's promises that you need as you face your present worries. Well, you have God's word to be at work in you. You have God's word on it. You have God's word that he is working in your life. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 2. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. 
we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So notice, we know that when he appears, we will be like him. God is at work conforming us into the image of his son. That perfection, that completion gives us hope. Verse 3, we fix our hope on him. You have God's word to be at work in you. Whatever comes, God is working in you. The entire trajectory of your life is ultimately to be conformed unto the likeness of Christ. We do know where this journey ends. We will be like Jesus. Nothing can stop this from happening. In fact, what happens to you is designed to bring this change into Christ's image a reality. These, these things that we, that we worry about, they're happening for a reason. God is working in us. He is making us more like Christ. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God calls us all things. Now here's a, here's a precious and magnificent promise, promise. And we know that God calls us all things, not just good things, the things I worry about, too. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to, to what? To become conformed to the image of His Son. There's a promise. God is working all things in your life for good to conform you into Christ-likeness. Here's a prayer. Lord, I have many things to worry about, but I know that none of these can prevent me from becoming what you intend for me to be. Lord, I have many things to worry about, but I know that none of these things can prevent me from becoming what you intend for me to be. You're making all things work together for good. Well, not only do you have God's word to be at work in you, you have God's word to be faithful in hardship. To be faithful in hardship. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Okay, now... I, I like that phrase there. Uh, but God will provide the way of escape also. Now you're thinking escape, that's great. He, he, he's got a secret door hidden that, I, that gets me out of here. But what is his way of escape? What's the rest of it say? What's the rest of it say? So that you will, will be able to endure it. You know, his, his way for you is to get through it. Not, as, not, not to not face it, but to get through it. He is faithful to get you through it. God will be faithful in your time of worry to provide the grace you will need. God will be faithful in your time of worry to provide the grace that, you, that you'll need. So, 
Paul's not saying there that um, God will get you out of your trials, but that he will enable you to get through it. As we know, we're, elsewhere where Paul said, uh, God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power in you is perfected in weakness. God has promised us sufficient grace. Hebrews says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help when? In our time of need. <laughs> In our time of need. Much of worry is worrying about, as, as our text says, um, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Much of our worry is about something that hasn't even happened yet. Right? Which may or may not happen yet. Which, which may never happen. But what the promise says is if it does happen, I'll give you grace then. Right? We want grace ahead of time. I want grace stacked up here. I, 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 like, I want all my grace. I want to know that uh, if I get a bad report from the doctor, that, I'll have, that, that, that I've got grace for that. Well, you'll have grace for it when you need it. Because you may not get a bad report from your doctor. Right? Um, you, you, you may not get um, uh, fired from your job. But if that happens, God will give you grace. So, you have God's word to be faithful in your hardship. Whatever causes you worry, God will provide grace when you need it. You have God's word on it. Go to John 14. You have God's word to be with you each day. You have God's word to be with you each day. Now, when I say uh, John 14, we usually think of uh, my father's house or many dwelling places. We usually think of heaven, of, of the future. But that's not the context of, uh, of the passage. Notice verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The context of this passage is, is not to worry. They were worried. Jesus said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. I'm going back to my father. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to kill me. But don't worry. Believe in me. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be fearful. Here we have God's promise uh, to be with us each day. You have God's word to be, uh, you have God's word that he will be with you each day. Now go back to John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be uh, with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So again, let's follow this. 
God, Jesus says, I'm leaving you, but don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be troubled, because I'm leaving you something that the world does not have that will allow you to face this, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. But you'll notice, it's Jesus saying it. Verse 16, I, Jesus, will ask, there's the Father, right? And he will give you another helper. Who's the helper? The Spirit. The heart of Christianity is a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What makes me different from, why don't I have to worry about the, why don't I have to worry like the world does? This is what he's saying. Why don't I have to worry like the world does? Because you have a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. God in Christ is with you through the ongoing work of the Spirit who makes all things together for your good to conform you into the image of Christ. You have God's word to love you as his child. The world is cruel, right? The world doesn't love you. God loves you. Look at John 17. John 17, 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. Now here he's praying for us, especially. He'd been talking to the disciples. He'd been addressing the, the apostles. But here, is, here he's talking about us. Okay. Um, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. We believe in Christ through the word of God. That they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. I don't know what you're going to face. I don't know what problems lie ahead. But I know this, God loves you right now with the same affection he has for his own son. God loves you right now with the same affection he has for his own son. And love them even as you have loved me. So you have God's word to love you as his child. You have God's word to be with you each day. You have God's word to be faithful in your hardship. You have God's word to be at work in you. You have God's word to provide all you need. You have God's word to provide all you need. Romans 8.28, or Romans 8.32, I'm sorry. Romans 8.32. Who uh, did not spare his own son 
If God did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us, how will he not also freely, uh, also with him, freely give us all things? If, if, if God would go as far as to sacrifice his own son and gave his son for us, why wouldn't he give us everything else we need? God has already given you his son, not based upon your performance, but his love. Now, go back to Matthew 6. This brings us full circle. Look at Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And Now notice, are you not worth much more than nay? Of course you are. Look at everything God has done for you. He freely gave you his son. He's given you a forgiveness of your past. He's given you a hope of eternity in the future. That's how much he cares for you. Verse 32. For the Gentiles, and here Gentiles uh, um, is referring to non-believers. Okay. Um, so those outside of Christ... For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. They have the same worries, the same fears. Your father knows that you, that you need all these things. He knows it. So what's, what, what's, what's the solution? Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, and thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe, clothe you, you of little faith? So Jesus says, here is the solution to your problem. Have faith in the promises of God. Don't be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, this isn't to dismiss the worries or the fears. I mean, in our lives, we face major problems. I, I realize that. But it boils down to this. Do you believe your worries or your God? Who are you going to believe? I, I can't make it any more clear than that. Do you believe your worries or your God? Which are you going to believe? We all have a past. We all face a future. And we all live in the present. Each provides us with reasons to worry. Yet the gospel removes all those reasons. Your past is forgiven and will continue to be. Your future is secure for all eternity. The God who sent his son to die for you has promised to be with you. Are you going to believe that? He has promised to provide for you, to protect you, to change you, to love you in the present. I mean, if I'm, if I'm trusting God for the entirety of my past, and I'm trusting God for the entirety of my future, 
I can't trust God today? Which am I going to believe? Now I'm going to add one, one other uh, wrinkle to this. Um, see, Pastor Greg, I also worry about my family and my church. Well, God will not only do this for you, but he will do what is best for your family and your church. Let's pray. Father, we know that there are many things we could worry about today. But we thank you that you have promised your provision, that it doesn't depend on us, but on your grace. Thank you most of all that you have given us yourself. Lord, have mercy on us and give us grace to live in light of these precious promises, we pray. Amen.